Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Read My Lips, cool conversations with creatives, and my creatives never disappoint. Happy to be here. And a quick shout out because I forgot last week to thank our LLL most loyal listener, lovely, lanky Laura Legg. So, Laura, here's two shout outs to you. Lovely, lanky Laura Legs times two. There you go. We are live here at September 14th. Interesting time of the year. We can't wait for 2020 to be over. I'm speaking for myself. I have two very interesting guests. Before I do all the housekeeping at the top, I want to let you hear from them. First up, I'm going to introduce you to Reverend Dr. Angela Yarber, and then I'm going to introduce you to Gregor Collins. I'm not going to tell you much because I want you to hear from them. So Angela, may I call you Angela? You want to be Reverend? Okay, Angela. Angela is great. Tell us, just take about two minutes and give us a little info on who you are. I know you have so much creativity in your life, no boundaries. So talk to us, Angela, and welcome to Read My Lips. Thank you. I really appreciate being here. Thanks for having me. Um, So I am Angela and live on Hawaii Island with my wife and our two young children. Um, I'm the executive director of the Tahome Center, which is a nonprofit that empowers marginalized women by teaching about revolutionary women through art, writing, retreats, and academic courses. So in fold, I am an artist. Um, I do folk feminist iconography, painting, and collage. And then I'm an author. So I've authored um, seven different books that have been listed in the top LGBTQ religion books. And I'm currently querying yet another, a memoir. And um, in addition to that, I lead retreats where I guide marginalized women in creating their own works of art in their own writing. And finally, my background was as a professor of women's gender and sexuality studies and a professor of divinity. I know this is really disparate, right? (laughs) Um, And so I lead courses where we bring together gender studies, art, and religion or spirituality. And dance. You told me you've taught in the dance realm too. Angela, that's why I invited you on the show. Okay. And shout out to Susan Corso, who referred you to me, our mutual friend. Yes, I just created an icon for her. (laughs) Woman of great creativity. But Angela, it's how you are living all of these ways. You're expressing what your beliefs are, what your strengths are, what your Mm. creativity is. That's, That's why you're here, because this is the creative spirit I'm interested in finding out. And by the way, would you define marginalized women for us just so everybody is clear? Sure. So I typically define that as anyone who has had the Supreme Court legislate on who they are or where their family is. So uh, queer women, uh, women of color, Black, Indigenous, and women of color, um, women experiencing disabilities, um, and people with marginalized religious identities, which in the U.S. is predominantly anyone who isn't a Christian. Wow. I guess I'm marginalized then. I think so. I think so. I'm short, I have red hair, I'm Jewish, <laughs> and I like to talk. I guess that puts me in, I'm, I'm not being facetious, but you've included me in your definition. Mm-hmm. Gregor Collins, welcome. You and I haven't spoken in over a year. I love oh. talking to you, Gregor. Welcome. In case there's anybody in the world who doesn't know who you are, why don't you introduce yourself and include your creativity in your description? Welcome, Gregor. Oh, thank you. It's good to be back here. Um, you know, I, I've... Uh, 
I started out, I graduated from Florida State and then I went out to LA not knowing anybody and then I got into the reality TV world. So that was like around when it was booming. So around 2000 when Survivor was coming out and all that. So I worked in reality TV for about four years and then I decided reality wasn't interesting enough. So then I became an actor and I, I you know, did, did some TV co-stars and, and this was around the time when uh, crowdfunding was starting and Facebook mm -hmm. was starting. So we all, it was DIY filmmaking and we all made our own films and we used social media. We were some of the first to use social media to, you know, kind of gain an audience. And, and then um, for my third life in LA, I actually <laughs> became, as an actor, as a day job, I became a caregiver for a Holocaust survivor. Um, and little did I know, I didn't know anything about her and I didn't even want the job. I took the job and then I ended up being with her for three years. I kind of quit everything I thought I loved and I wrote a book about it. And then um, since then I've been traveling around the world and talking about her. And, um, and then I, after LA, I moved to New York and then got into the theater world and in the off-Broadway world and wrote plays and acted. And, um, and then now I'm in Arlington, Virginia. I just moved in on February 14th, I moved to Arlington and then from New York. And then, you know, two weeks later, um, we know what happened. So I, I just, yes. it's been quite a strange last few months for me. It certainly has for so many of us. Yeah. And you didn't give the name. Come on, everybody plugs. Well, it's the well, accidental it, caregiver. Go ahead. Gregor, it, I, want yeah. you to, I want you to lower your volume just a tiny bit on your microphone and get a little bit of distortion. So, or just, just low, just sit back a little bit, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's called the accidental caregiver and it's, the subtitle is How I Met, Loved, and Lost Legendary Holocaust Survivor, Maria Altman. And that's the book you and I spoke about last time you were on radio, or maybe it was TV with me. And uh, interesting, you you were doing a favor for a friend who needed somebody to be a relief caregiver so he could have a break, and he was hired to do the job. And you say in the book, you met Maria Altman, and it was love at first meeting. You just bonded with her fast, and then you started a journal. Angela, he started a journal of, of what was happening with her, with him, conversations mm. every single day. And it became a book. And, and Gregor is in demand as a speaker to talk about that book all over the world. He runs into people in airports who say, hey, would you would you come to Australia with a black tie? Or would you come and, and please lecture to my women's group? We want to, I mean, no matter where he goes, Gregor, is that kind of popularity Wait, still happening? Oh, yeah. I mean, like middle-aged women are, are my audience, man. I never thought I would be writing. I mean, when I sat down and wrote this book, I never thought I would be writing a book for women. Uh, but apparently that's my, that's my gig. So that's your gig. And, and you're here for another reason. And the reason is humans in your phone. So I want you to talk about that briefly because that's specifically why I invited you on the show today, Gregor, <laughs> who's in your phone and what does that got to do with anything? There's a lot of interesting people in my phone. And I thought, um, I was at my dry cleaners one day and he's a really interesting guy. And I just thought, this was before I thought about the series or anything. I just thought, well, he's an interesting guy. I want to shoot him. And I asked him if I could shoot him. So I just pulled out my phone and I kind of shot him doing his thing. And then I edited it together and made it like a minute and a half. And I showed him and he's like, he loved it. And so then I thought to myself, well, I have so many interesting people in my phone. And I want to, you know, everything from poets to painters to CEOs to whatever. And, and they're very creative. So like I wanted to... Um, tell short micro documentaries, as I was calling them, about all the creative 
humans in my phone. And um, they had to be 60 seconds. They had to be people that were already in my phone. I wasn't interested in shooting random people mm-hmm. on the street. Mm-hmm. And it had to be an ode to creativity and an ode to friendship and an ode to just, um, you know, uh, persistence and flooding the world with, with, with creativity. So um, I, yeah, so I, I, I haven't shot any during the pandemic, but um, I shot a hundred of them in about 10 months last year. So prolific. And I know that you met them, Angela, he met them in places like Union Square Park in New York mm. and in famous places in their element, in their, yes. their mm. context and 30 minutes. And then he reduced it. And Gregor, did you do everything, including the editing on the iPhone? I did, well, I, I did everything on my iPhone. That's the thing. I shot him on the iPhone, natural light. Um, editing wise, I, I edited on my Mac. So I didn't do everything on my iPhone because there was there was some subtle audio things I needed to do with the Mac. But um, but yeah, it was just basically I, I and I had a microphone that pops into the iPhone. So I just mm-hmm. had a little shotgun mic on the on the iPhone, and then boom, yeah. And oh. boom. And did you happen to use iMovie or do you use something else you prefer? I used iMovie. Yeah, yeah. That's I movie all the way. Do yep. you know what I've started doing with some of these radio shows? And I should have asked both of you before. I put them through. Uh, iMovie now has a, a filter. They have about 30 visual filters you can apply to a whole video. And I experimented and found one called Cool Comic. And it turns what, what the three of us look like into looking like a live comic book with the, the primary colors, the red, the yellow, the blue. And they just pop like I call them bubblegum colors. And I turned one of the radio shows into an hour-long TV episode for my Something to Talk wow. About TV show. And I sent it to the local. Uh, I'm on the People's Channel here Friday night. And they said to me, you have a full hour. I was doing my something to talk about TV for a half hour. And then my senior moments, they said, you can send us a whole hour, one hour show for the time slot. So I sent them the radio show converted into a special episode of something to talk about. And I want to see their reaction. And the reaction was... It was visually jarring, but it was a great conversation. <laughs> Bonnie, you don't you don't need any more color or like energy. You already like you're your own uh, filter or whatever it's called. Uh-huh. Well, I might you are the bubblegum colors. I'll, let, I'll yeah. let you know, Gregor. I'm red today. I'm radio red. Okay, nobody's supposed to know my other name. Oh, sorry. So no. That's okay. So radio red. There you go. So now we have to talk about all the housekeeping. I normally do at the front of the show. So today is September. September 14th, breaking news, nothing political. It's the 257th day of the Gregorian calendar. I'm always thinking Gregor or his mom or Greggy or whatever they called him. So you might be his namesake, Mr. (laughs) Collins, but it's a leap year. So it's the 258th day, just for full clarity. Here's the really breaking news. There's 108 days left till the end of 2020. Now, I don't know about any of you, but I can't wait for this year to be over. I didn't say it. I lip synced it. And if you have anything that's a favorite drink, as soon as your liquor store opens or you know how to get a hold of Gary V's online wine store or whatever, order something special for New Year's Eve because with 108 days left, everything good on the shelf is going to go really, really fast. Mm. So get it. This happens to also be, Mm. if anybody cares, the 37th Monday of the year. So we are hurtling toward the end of the year. I always give the countdown. So lovely, lanky Laura Legs, by the way, I was going to take up a crowdfund for her, Gregor, because we wanted to send her to live in London. So it'll be lovely, lanky Laura Legs in London. 
But um, somebody told me that there are some places in upstate New York, I should know about this, in, in Yonkers, where we could have her move there with an L, like Larchmont. So it'd be lovely, lanky. And she told me she'd be happy to have us raise the money to send her to London. So Laura, we're thinking of you, but it might just be over the bridge. She's in Whitestone, over the bridge to Larchmont. What can <laughs> I tell you? Everything's tight. Now let's do some famous birthdays. We all do happy birthday to these people. And then we'll do the national holidays of the week. And then we'll get into more of our conversation. So anybody remember Ray Heatherton, the merry mailman on TV? Gregor, you're a New York guy. Angela, never heard of him. Mm. He had a daughter named Joey Heatherton who liked to laugh and dance and sing an actress. She was very, very sexy. She was at her own TV show. She's still alive. 1944, Joey Heatherton. Happy birthday, Joey. Everybody's happy birthday, Joey. I can see you're both very excited. There's an Australian <laughs> swimmer born in 1953 today named Judy Playfair. I thought anybody with a last name Playfair deserves to have me <laughs> celebrate their birthday. So happy birthday from Red. Faith Ford, if you remember, she played. You remember anybody? Murphy Brown. What did she play on the series? Corky Sherwood, oh. Faith Ford, kind of dipsy blonde actress. Happy birthday, Faith Ford. One of my favorite actresses married to one of my favorite country music stars, Kimberly Williams Paisley was born today. Married to Brad Paisley. Back in the day when I used to vacation upstate in uh, Villa Roma, which was a complex of condos. I was dating somebody who had timeshares. We all know what happened to those. Could you get rid of them for five bucks? No, I can't even give you that. Anyway, they had a big theater. We were dancers at the time. We Big theater. We used to go to see the shows. And nearby, it was near the Woodstock site, Bethel Woods, the site of the original Woodstock. So one day we took a ride and turns out there was a big live theater, a big, what do they call it? Like a, not an arboretum where you have a theater outside with, there was a, a, a big um, roof over it and outdoor seating on the lawn. Well, somebody named Brad Paisley was playing and we walked up to the window and said, who's playing this week? We're only there for, for a week. And they said, Brad Paisley. I said, who's that? And they said, well, it's some country singer. And I said, okay, we're not interested. And the woman said, wait a minute, we just got a return ticket for the fourth row orchestra. Would you like it? I said, what the heck? So we bought the tickets. And I think um, one of the girls from, from uh, American Idol, uh, Kelly Pickler, she was the opening act. Uh -huh. Taylor Swift might have been one of the openings. <laughs> this was before they were really well known. We went and sat and everybody is singing along all the words. We're sitting in the fourth row. I'm using my phone and video. They allowed you to video. And I'm thinking, who in the heck is Brad Paisley? Well, he ended up being one of my favorite country singers. So that's <coughs> how I was introduced to Brad Paisley. Duh. So, yes, there's an American rapper, 1973 born today, named Nas. N-A-S. Yes, of course. Nas, yeah. Say happy birthday, Nas. Go ahead, Gregor. Happy birthday, Nas. There it's you go. not Nas with a Z, by the way, not an S. S, it's S, Nas. Uh, there's a, an Amer French American singer songwriter named So Shy. I had to mention his or her birthday because who's named Ho So Shy? And then somebody who left us in 2011, hard to believe, Amy Winehouse was born today. Yeah. Tragic. Yeah. Tragic. I played her CD in my car so many times. I think I just about wore it out. I found her music fascinating. Another one of those twenty. Another one of those twenty-seven-year-olds that that yeah. died too early. Way that just just couldn't couldn't get out of whatever she was in. And but she, I thought she was a brilliant singer, and her songs mm -hmm. were so dark but fascinating. Mm. I listened to all the words. I I just couldn't get enough of her. So in absentia, 
in memoriam, Amy Winehouse. We hope you're in a more comfortable place. Let's leave that. Now let's get to the famous national holidays that are not famous and they're going to be as soon as I read them. Yesterday was September 13th. It was National Grandparents Day and National Peanut Day. Did you have any peanuts yesterday, Gregor? No, but I eat uh, walnuts every day. They're very healthy. Well, I'll, I'll invite you back on Walnut Day. Angela, <laughs> did you have any peanuts yesterday? Yes, I eat peanuts almost every day. We're wow. a little vegan family, so we eat abundance of nuts. Nice. Good. I have not met Angela until 10 minutes before the show, and I did not know that. Well, congratulations. Yum. <laughs> Today is National Coloring Book Day. Coloring Day. I'm going to say Coloring Book Day. It's Coloring Day, so get out your pencils and your mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, I'm going to be, I turned into an artist, Gregor. I started painting on collages, Angela, collages mm-hmm. and watercolors on canvas. My biggest so far is 16 by 20s. I buy them Good. by five or 10 at a time at Michael's. I'm now painting on black canvases using metallic paints. And I have over 60 paintings in my house. I've run out of wall space. Amazing. And I'm going to be exhibiting in my garage soon because we're having an arts and crafts collaborative in my community. Do it in your own driveway because of COVID. And I'm going to be exhibiting my artwork. Mm. I'm not that interested in selling, but I just would like to show it. Oh, that'd be great. I wish I had taken a painting. It's a great pandemic Mm -hmm. uh, hobby, you know. I just, is, bought, yeah. I just bought an art set at Michael's when I moved in and I put it away for two years. And one right. day I took it out and started painting and I haven't stopped. It's, it's, it's something to do. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I live alone. And a great anxiety reliever. <laughs> it is. Angela, you do collages. What do you use in your collages? Um, well, I've, that's new for me. That's been something I started during the pandemic. Um, I've always been a painter and um, I actually have a coloring book that I published, Hollywood <laughs> and Icons Contemplating Coloring wow. Book. So wow. you can buy it for coloring day. But um, my collages are a mix of digital mixed media. And then I take pieces of paintings and put them with live plants and then do photography of them, upload hmm. them and then do the editing and addition digitally. Wow. Interesting. Wow. And I've discovered from my collages, I don't throw out any packaging anymore. Did you know that Mm. the inside of a box of chocolate chip cookies is a wonderful foil material that is Mm. not like tinfoil? It won't crinkle and you Mm. cut it into shapes. I just uh, threw out, I just bought a new mascara and there's a wonderful red uh, iconography on the front with eyelash, um, uh, like a modern, and I cut it out into pieces. I use the backs of credit cards where the gold and Mm. silver are and Mm. glue them on. Um, I use the, when I go to the store, I love to buy flowers every week, lilies, whatever they have, Astro, Mary, I think they're called. I buy them at the grocery store, four bucks a bunch here. I always wanted flowers Mm. in my house, fresh flowers every week. For $4 a week, I have fresh flowers uh-huh. since I moved to Durham. And you have a little cellophane uh, a, a envelope, basically, that you mm-hmm. put the flowers in so you don't drip all over the floor of the supermarket. Well, some of those are printed with patterns. Mm-hmm. It's like like limes and little dots. And I cut those out and make shapes and I glue them onto my paintings. Mm. So That's brilliant. I've, I've got so much. Well, it's, it, thank you. I'll show you after the show some of my yes. pictures. I've used dryer sheets. Mm-hmm. That fold them and then paint over them. And, and I use a lot of glitter. A lot of, I like wow. colors. You know what, you know, speaking of dryer sheets, what I did find out is that I, I was, I just moved into my new place and there was uh, scratches on the floor. And if you, if you take a dryer sheet with some olive oil and you rub it on the scratch on the floor, guess what? Eliminates it. Yeah. Really? What, ki- what kind of floor believe. though? What's, what are well, your I, hard, Hardwood floors. I mean, you know, standard hardwood floors. Um, it's, there's something about the dryer sheet with the olive oil and it just buffs it right out. 
Oh. Fanta- well, thank you. Uh, Gregor's helpful hints to <laughs> harried house people. See, Angela? <laughs> I said house people. I didn't, I didn't say you. I like it. <laughs> there you go. Now, tomorrow is the 15th of September. It's International Dot Day, D-O-T. I don't know what that means. And it's National Linguini Day. So mm. maybe if you put cheese on your linguine, it makes little dots if it hits the hot pasta. Angela, what do you think? Can we interpret that? Sure. Thank Why you. not? <laughs> Very permissive. Why not? Now, September 16th could be stomach ache day because it's choose your chocolate day and guacamole day. Oh. Now, hmm. I don't think those go together. What do you think? Well, like, mo- like mole, you know, you know, like mm-hmm. chocolatey guacamole. But yeah, they, they, um, they don't necessarily <laughs> go together at the same time, but I'll eat one in the beginning of the day and one, and one at the end of the day. Oh, definitely. Those are two amazing things, just not put together. I've had uh, avocado chocolate mousse, which is really good. So if you're going to make, it doesn't sound like it, but if you're going to make it non-dairy, you can use avocado as that like creamy texture. And then you just mix it with cacao and it's really good. Well, some people use instead of uh, shortening, instead of lard or butter or oil in cakes, they use mashed avocado. Mm-hmm. Where they use applesauce, right? Mm-hmm. Do you, what kinds of chocolate do you does your family enjoy? And you're in Hawaii. Are you getting good chocolate there, Angela? Oh yes, yeah. So we actually um, Big Island is where I live, and so it's one of the top chocolate <clears throat> producers. Um, oh, wow. And so there's lots of access. Um, I would love to grow it myself, but the process of getting it to where it's delicious is so arduous that. Mm-hmm. Um, at this phase in my life, I just don't have the energy for it. Um, but there's a lot of really, really fabulous chocolate here. And I unfortunately have a massive sweet tooth. So I eat oh, a lot of it. Hello. Everybody oh. with us, raise your hand. Oh, oh, like, mine is the worst. I've never met anybody with a worse sweet tooth than me. I Neither have I. So. I. Even my young so. children tease me about really? it. Really? I say, oh, where are the treats? My mama ate them. I have to tell you, Briars makes a chocolate truffle ice cream that has little mm. pieces of truffle candy inside mm. the chocolate. And if you make, don't put it in the blender because you don't want to destroy them. But if you make an ice cream soda, make sure you have a spoon and you can dig out. They're little mm. cubes and you can just, they're not that hard, but there's a form to them, like little squares. And they're divine. Let's just leave it at that. You know what I've been doing is dipping dark chocolate, my, my token dessert that that's not too, you know, set me over the edge will be that dark chocolate dipped in fresh like almond butter or peanut butter yes like freshly like ground almond peanut butter on Mm -hmm. dark chocolate and it's like you eat like two squares of that and you're done it's it's amazing i would like to say that i would eat two squares and i would be done no i'm talking about you dip like i mean you're you're getting Uh like two spoonfuls of like peanut butter Mm -hmm. it's like your own Reese's right it's like a Reese's without it's good but it's healthy it's like clean you know Mm-hmm. I'll remember that next time I'm indulging in peanut yeah. butter with chocolate. Thank you very much for that. You've redeemed me. September 17th, Thursday is National Pet Bird Day. We'll just leave that alone. Then we go into more food. Oh, the 18th. 18th is also Rosh Hashanah, the start of the Jewish mm-hmm. high holidays. Happy New Year to me and the people of my faith. And Gregor, you're 20%. So I think you can celebrate Rosh Hashanah too. But Friday is also National Cheeseburger Day and National First love day. Aw. 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 Angela, let's, let's talk. I'm not done with the birthdays yet, with, uh, with the national days, but 
In terms of uh, going back to your art a little bit, you mentioned that you did a beautiful piece for Susan Corso. Yes. Commissioned. How did you do that? I've seen it. It's absolutely gorgeous. And if you have any art you want to hold up here on the show, because we are recording the video on Zoom, that would be wonderful. But what did, how did you pick what you wanted for Susan's collage art. Sure. So there's one, a large piece right behind me that's like poster size, but it's getting a bit of a glare and it's a similar style. So I have um, painted icons and most of the time I paint um, icons of um, queer women and or women of color. And so Susan, as you know, has this blonde hair and Mm -hmm. she's very fair skinned, but I have this one piece that I created goddess of hope. um, When we adopted our daughter through foster care, because her middle name is hope. And she came to us with a traumatic brain injury and just as the embodiment of resilience. So I wanted to paint her. So I used that face and hair of that goddess. And then Susan Corso told me what some of her favorite symbols, colors, flowers were. And so I gathered those up and um, collaged them live around the painting, took a photograph of that uploaded that onto my computer and then got to doing the digital editing where I know she's a lover of labyrinths. So I made her a halo that's um, out of a labyrinth, um, consulted with her on what words um, she wanted on there because all of my icons have a giant heart where the torso should be um, because women are often you know, judged because of our bodies. So this is a way of expanding the heart to encompass the entire body and say, that's what's most valuable. So she became goddess of fierce compassion. <laughs> on the heart. Um, and then just added pieces online with rainbows and things like that. And, and she ended up loving it. And I'm really grateful for that. Wow. Very, very creative. And I have to ask you, what do you use for your digital editing, Angela? A mixture of Canva, <laughs> the online program yeah, and Photoshop. Very interesting. Um, Yeah, it's all the digital side of it is all very new for me. And I always say I'm a tech grandma. So that's interesting that I've even gotten into it in that regard. But luckily, I have a wife who's very good at that. And she can help me a bit. Did you say tech grandma? Is that what you said? Yeah, I'm a tech grandma. I had uh, I, I had the uh, odd awakening a couple months ago. Somebody told me that I qualify as an early woman in tech because I was a mainframe programmer back in the key punch days on mainframes that were the size of a warehouse. Wow. And in the 1970s, I was a programmer analyst working for the state of Oregon. And I never thought now Grace Hopper preceded me and all the early, you know, she developed COBOL, mm. all of those early people. But I wasn't quite that early, but I never thought of myself as early in anything. I thought I was late to everything. Excuse me. I got all worked up on that one. Let's (laughs) let's finish our holidays. And Gregor, my engineer asked for you to raise your volume back a little bit. Yeah. Now, now it's back. Is this okay? It's, it's fine. Josh says that's what he needs for the audio. It's a little distorted, a little edgy for me, but it's fine. If that's what Josh needs, Josh gets what he needs. And let's see. um, So we had cheeseburger day. Then we have the 19th. Angela, you'll love this one. Dance day. Gymnastics mm-hmm. day, meow, meow, like a pirate and talk like a pirate. How can you have meowing and talking on the same day? Can anybody figure that out? I can't. No, I've no. I've confounded my panelists. They have nothing <laughs> to say. And then the 20th is National Pepperoni Pizza Day, National Punch Day. They don't say if that's the punch you drink or the punch you punch physically. <laughs> Queso day. We could have pepperoni and quesos. And it's national, get this, Angela and Gregor, I don't know if this applies to you, Wife Appreciation Day. Oh. Nice. Great. Yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) That's 
that's a conversation ender right if there. If I had a wife, I would appreciate her every day. <laughs> there you go. Me too. Me too. Yes, absolutely. So we, we are only halfway through the show. So I just want to talk a little bit about the concept of creativity. I consider both of you, each of you in your own way, uniquely creative. Actually, everybody I have on the show is, but you're both what I call prolific. So, uh, Angela, let me start with you. The fact that you came up with Digital Grandma. I love that. Uh, oh, I want to tell you, I had a woman named CJ Scarlett on the show a couple weeks ago, and her nickname is the Badass Grandma. I love that. She She's really cool. And she is somewhat of a redhead, not quite as red as me. So, Scarlett, <laughs> I, I relate to that one. So, Angela, let's go back in history. Let's go back in the time of Reverend Dr. Angela Yarber. <laughs> when did you wake up and say, oh, I'm going to be an artist. I think I'll do digital collages. I'll learn digital editing. I think this would be something fun to do. Did you start very early before digital? Mm-hmm. I know you're not, you're not, you don't look like you're 18 years old. I'm not going to put anything <laughs> after that. But was this new to you or did you just wake up and say, I think I'll do art? When did that come to your mind or come to your hands. Angela, tell me a little bit about that history, please. Sure. So I um, had always planned on going into musical theater, like when I was a teenager, and um, had been um, toying with the idea of going to Juilliard and majoring in dance, had set them tapes. This was the days of VHS, um, because I'm a Gen Xer. And um, I had a really wild, conservative religious experience. And the people in that tradition told me that all of this was bad and was not, it was bringing glory to myself rather than glory to God. And that was a really pivotal time. I was about to turn 18 years old. So I really changed everything um, and instead went to this really small liberal arts college that was religiously affiliated. And fortunately for me, um, the faculty and religion there were really amazing. And they said, you know, you have these talents. At that point, I was dancing semi-professionally. Mm-hmm. You've had these talents and you have this newfound um, faith and interest in the academic study of religion. Why can't you just put them together? And so for the longest time I did that. And then at 30, I retired from dancing, had always dabbled in painting for fun and needed another creative outlet and had always asked the question, where are all the women? Um, when I was studying religion academically, when I was preaching from a pulpit with my ordination, um, that everywhere I went, I was the lone woman in the room. And so my mission became uh, painting revolutionary women from history and myth that deserve to be in our history books and stained in glass and shouted from the rooftops where everyone knows their stories. So kind of lifting up those stories in art and in writing. Um, and I'll be honest, over the past decade plus, um, I think I've gotten much better as an artist. When I look back at some of those first paintings, I think, how oh, on earth did these sell? <laughs> Why did anyone buy these? Um, and then the experimenting with collage was really COVID wrecked some things for my nonprofit. And I had a window open to learn and experiment. And I decided, well, I'm going to give myself permission to try. And I just fell in love with it. Fascinating. Give yourself permission to try. Uh, tell us who goes to the to home center. Let's talk about that. Your nonprofit. When did you start it? Mm-hmm. And then Gregor, we're going to talk about the people in your phone next. I want to know who are your, your most fascinating people. But Angela, when did you start to home? How did you pick the name and who goes mm-hmm. there? Is it a physical place? Is it virtual? What do you do? It's a combination of physical and virtual. Um, it started in, um, even though it's work I've been doing for a decade, it actually became a nonprofit 
in 2017. And then it was called the Holy Women Icons Project. But after a while and working with some consultants, we realized that's a bit of a mouthful. Um, so I went back to, uh, you will love this, um, as uh, a Jew. Um, tehom is the Hebrew word for uh, watery depth or chaos uh, mm. in the Genesis narrative. And here, let me get on my nerdy professor soapbox here. So <laughs> tehom is um, out of which creation comes for Jews and Christians in Genesis. But it's a cognate for the Ugaritic <laughs> Babylonian goddess of creation, Tiamat. And so according to me and my own Hebrew translation and understanding of both texts, both the Genesis creation and the Enuma Elish, which is where her story is, it's actually this kind of like queer love story between these goddesses Tehom and Tiamat, where um, birth comes, the, the world comes dancing out of their like carcasses. It, it's a lot deeper than that, but it's this, this word depth these legends and stories of myths of these revolutionary women who create without gods or men by their side. And so it's a, a way of saying like, here's a center uh, for revolutionary and marginalized women to be able to come for empowerment, um, respite and retreat. And, um, and then on the side, when folks pay to do some of those things, that money goes toward its housing for um, like women fleeing domestic violence and trans women experiencing homelessness. I acknowledge that I'm throwing a lot at you right now. <laughs> that's okay. That's, that's what I wanted to know. And that's, I believe that's part of your, your creative vision or your For boundary sure. free. I can do this and I can open up my arms and my organization to so many types of people right. because we want inclusion and yes. that's, that's living inclusivity, right? So let's talk about inclusivity in people in my phone. Now, mm. when you looked in your phone, Mr. Gregor Collins, and you said, all these people in my phone, were they predominantly anything? Were they predominantly TV people or people you knew through work or people you met along the way of, of caring for Maria, uh, Maria Altman? Or, or what was the spread of ages, genders, uh, professions, backgrounds, education? I want to know who was in your phone. You don't have to give names. Greg. I mean, everything from, from 20, 25 to... Well, to 94. I, actually, Maria, I did a humans in my phone with Maria, but uh, Maria passed away, you know, before I, I created the series. So I actually went back, back and found some old footage of Maria and I put a little voiceover uh, story about her, how um, I invited her to a premiere of a movie I did, like right when I started caring for her. And um, it was called Night Before the Wedding. And it was like, there was a lot of swear words in the movie. <laughs> and she's, you know, she's 92 year old prominent Holocaust survivor. And I'm bringing her to this like bachelor movie with swear words in it. And I, and, and after the movie in a dark theater, I run up to her as soon as the movie ended. And I said, Maria, were, were you able to hear it? Okay. And she goes, I heard every fucking word. <laughs> That's I mean, the first said, time I've had that word on my radio show. Go I, ahead. Yeah. So, so, and, and here was this, I mean, this is Maria Altman saying this. And uh, so I found, so I told that story over some footage of her and I made it into a human to my phone. But, um, but yeah, so, so these, were, these were people, I think the theme was creativity because I feel, you know, again, you know, fashion designers and painters and poets and actors and writers. And um, I, I, I've met them in my travels around the world. And these aren't people, it's not like I went through my phone and, go, and, and went, oh, okay, who can I find that's accomplished so much and that's uh, famous or that's, that's you know, it, it was more like 
uh, I wanted to really go after like the character of somebody and, and, and just what, what they felt about creativity and what they felt um, they were contributing to the world in a, in a creative way, you know? Interesting. Now I want to talk about editing. Gregor, I'm going to start with you. You start with 30 minutes on an iPhone, natural light in the person's habitat or in their context, a park, uh, a, a street, yeah. a museum. Editing, trying to hone it down to that 60, or I think sometimes you did 90 seconds, if I remember. I started at 90 seconds, but then I did 60 because of Instagram. I wanted to just be able to okay. post it clean on Instagram. I know if I take, let's say if I took this and it's almost an hour long radio show, and if I was going to condense this or select, cherry pick, if you will, the scenes and the parts of our conversation to put them into a 30 minute TV show, which I very well may do, I have to edit it. I have to look, Angela, when you take pictures, you have to decide what is visually going to serve the purpose of whatever your collage is, your piece. Gregor, when you were looking for those magical 60 seconds, how did you use your creative eye, your creative ear, your sense of whatever you wanted to convey to choose? So let's start with you, Gregor. To me, that's that's almost the core of creativity is selection, is what do you actually yeah. use? I, I've never thought about it this way before. Angela's smiling, so I must have gotten this check mark of yeah. approval from her on that. I've, <laughs> I've never approached this, but editing is is a tremendous amount of creativity in terms of vision and responsibility. Mm-hmm. That deserves to be on the cutting room floor and that deserves to be shown yeah. to the public. So Gregor, how did you it's, decide? It's not, a, it, it, that's the hardest part, by the way, is cutting, mm-hmm. is cutting the stuff. Yep. But I think you want to tell, you want to have an arc and you want to have a beginning and middle and an end. And, and I feel like, I mean, in 60 seconds, you can't really get to know a full person, but yet I found that within like five seconds, you can even know, you can even know a person. Um, so it, it's really just showing their, innocence and showing their um what makes them unique you know and 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 having that beginning middle and end and and um it's not just about showing things that are flashy or funny or whatnot it's, mm-hmm. it's about showing things that reveal their character and how they view the world and um so every i shot a hundred of these things and i feel like every one of them um none of them even remotely um um were a duplicate of another. I mean, maybe there were a few shots that were the same, but everybody, I mean, everybody on earth is, is different and has their own story. And so I wanted to show that, that and all the different, you know, micro docs. So one more question. Did you ever think of going back into the original 30 and saying, I showed Bob Jones, I showed his humorous side in the 60 seconds. And, but there's a really serious side to Bob. I'm going to go back into that 30 and I'm going to recall 60 seconds of that part of Bob and put it as a second micro documentary about Bob, I'm making up the name. Did you ever go back and do a second version to express another part of someone's personality, Gregor? I, I never did. Um, I absolutely, it's an absolutely great idea that I've thought of. I, I just haven't done it. Um, but I did try in those 60 seconds, I really mm-hmm. tried to show every part of a person. Mm-hmm. And even if it was just one shot of them, a wide shot of them, I don't know, uh, you know, looking a certain way or standing a certain way or walking towards the camera or something. Um, I I tried to show like uh, all aspects of a person. Um, But um, but some of them ended up being and I went in with no expectations. And I think that's the thing with art. You know, you go in, you don't go in knowing what story you're going to tell, because um, I I would go in and I would just like I want to capture this person's essence. 
And sometimes they would tell like, a, they would have their whole life story, which is the most fascinating thing. And then like the last five minutes, they would tell this hilarious story or they would tell this really poignant story about how they, I don't know, were walking on the street and they saw this homeless woman and they decided to help her. And, and like, so sometimes I would just include that story without re revealing anything else about <clears throat> them. But that story would reveal everything you need to know about them. Interesting. And if you think about this in, in terms of business, people say you should have an elevator speech, right? An elevator pitch. If you had 60 seconds along with somebody important in an elevator and you want to get their attention, what would you tell them about yourself? In a way, you were creating their elevator pitches. Mm. That's just, true. That's a good. Just thought about it. because I we love it. Thank you. We've been, I try. We've been, we've been talking about elevator pitches for decades. Oh, you got to yeah. have an elevator pitch. And well, how do you describe? Go ahead. And, what, yeah, and what's so cool is, is that there were some people immediately, like I shot my friend, Betty, who's a rocker. She's like a real, um, a real rocker. And she has her own band. She's like, um, uh, what's that? Now I can't, I can't think of her name, but she's like, um, like a Janis Joplin. Um, and so really talented. And so she, uh, we did it where she just messed around with her, with her guitar and didn't really speak much, but like, you, you learned everything you need to know about her, the way she played guitar and, and just, just her, her innocence and her look. And, and um, she said that somebody saw her humans on my phone, a, a record producer from like Sweden and they had a meeting and he wants to work with her now. So like, I, I like hearing that it was like, it's totally worth it when that, you did her elevator pitch by the way yeah. Gregor, i have my own band now i'm a drummer and my band is called red's hot mango and really we play I'm latin songs and i lost my two guitar players they didn't die they just decided they wanted to do more rock and roll and i have a uh, a retired md he's a coast guard captain retired family doctor who is a fabulous singer native of puerto rico beautiful voice and spanish is just gorgeous it's his native language and he plays the congas and i have a wonderful bass player and i do drums so right now we're playing over tracks and we're interpreting tracks and we're having a blast we just we're preparing 14 new songs and we're playing in garages and driveways here now because our clubhouse is closed due to COVID. So, you know, another female musician who rocks the drums, who has a yeah. band. There you go, Gregor. See? Have you, how long have you been drumming? Like, like recently? Did a year and three, a year and really? three months. Amazing. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I've played at open mics here in Raleigh and Durham. I played after about three months. I went to an open mic and signed up. I had my red sticks in my purse and somebody signed me up and I didn't know it. And they called my name. <laughs> and I went up with my red stick somewhere in little red suede booties. And I've got always black dress and sparkles and makeup and hair and jewelry. <laughs> and all these people are in cut off jeans and nasty T-shirts. And I'm, I'm red you know, and I'm going up with my sticks. After a couple months, they, they accepted me. These are good musicians. Open mic is just divine. You get to bring three songs. And um, it was a funny story. A friend of mine goes with me and he was videoing me. My three songs, uh, Miss You by the Stones, Mustang Sally by Wilson Pickett. And I think I did B.B. King's song or uh, Georgia Satellites, Keep Your Hands to Yourself. A little bit of everything, right? The musicians didn't want to stop. The three songs came to 28 minutes of video. 
Mm. It was a hundred wow. degrees on the stage. I'm in the back on this little tiny drum throne and there's wires everywhere and there's people singing and there's bass players and guitar players and somebody brings up a cajon and we've got three people on microphone <laughs> and it's 110 degrees and I'm sweating bullets and people in the audience who were friends of mine would say we were going to send in a relief drummer because they thought I was going to pass out. <laughs> wow. I couldn't walk when I got up. That to me was acceptance by the musical community. And I'm not a rudiments player. I, I learned I learn the rudiments, but I'm more of a musicality. I hear something and I can pick up on the beat and the and the bridges within a couple seconds. I don't play the sheet music. I play what I feel. And people tell me I'm an in-the-pocket drummer. And that's what I love about my drumming is I'm not going to drum like anybody else. I'm good. I'm not fabulous. I'm not that fast. But I can play almost anything. And right Very now I'm doing country music with my, my drum teacher. We're doing some Carrie Underwood, some Miranda Lambert. He introduced me to L. King. You want to hear a, a, an incredible performer? X's mm. and O's by L. King. Watch mm. the video to die for. Angela, talk to me about the creativity. Thank you, Gregor. The creativity in your editing process. You have to, what photo do I pick and what lighting do I pick and how, what do I upload and where do I put it? You are using an editor's eye in creating your collages. How do you do that? Um, for something, it's a lot of it's just about composition. And um, I think a, a lot of visual artists, that's something that just, um, either comes naturally or that you intuit. And so I, I don't even know if I could describe how I edit it out. I think of editing more in relation to writing. Um, and, and Gregor, I don't know if you feel this way having, you know, published your book, but um, I know that with so many of my books, there are not just the shitty first drafts that have gone out the window and been edited out, but some sentences that like I loved and adored and, you know, had like nursed every word and it meant so much to me but it had to be edited out and then in some of the icons that I create since I write on the heart this is so interesting with um, your mini docu documentaries too is that I'm trying to capture the essence of the woman that I'm portraying in between like three and 12 words on the heart and some of these are historical mm -hmm. women like Harriet Tubman and Polly Murray and Frida Kahlo and such and how do you encapsulate all of that in just a few words and images on a canvas and on a heart mm -hmm. um, so that's where I think of the editing as a creative process is both in the writing side of things and then in the visual side of things Interesting. And Angela, tell me about your seven books. You, I don't know the titles of them. What are they about? What are the, what are the titles? <laughs> well, they, they started because my background is as a professor that they were academic books and they all deal with the intersections of gender or gender and sexuality with religion and the arts. And so I have one on dance and world religions. I have one called The Gendered Pulpit, Sex, Body, and Desire in Preaching and Worship. Um, one on microaggressions in religion, which is like a, a mm. somewhat newer psychological social science term. Um, and then a Holy Women Icons, which has my icons and then an essay about each woman that's portrayed that functions kind of like a... Um, Devotional is not the right word because that carries like religious connotations, but a time where you could sit down meditatively, look at this image, read a little bit about the woman's life, and then at the end have some questions for contemplation about like, well, so now I've learned about this amazing woman. How does it apply to me and how I live in the world um, inwardly and then outwardly? Um, 
And then finally, shameless plug, I'm querying agents mm-hmm. right now for a book mm-hmm. called Emboldened, um, Revolutionary Women, Radical Imagination, and the Queering of the American Dream. And it's about my queer little family. My, my church had gotten toxic and uh, the death threats and hate mail got too thick. So we left it all, traveled full time for 18 months um, around the U.S. and then settled in Hawaii where we built a tiny house with Tiny House Nation and all of these oh, different... Wow. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, thinking no, I, that. I just the, saw that. I just saw that show for the first time. I love it. Yeah, well, we're yeah. we're have an episode about us. That's um, so cool. I, I'll have to look for that now. Yeah, it's and John Weisbart, Angela, I I love to watch it. Also, what is it like living? Talk about creativity. What is it like living in? The, and how big is a tiny house? Are we talking six hundred square feet, eight hundred? How tiny? No. So I feel like ours should now be called small rather than tiny okay. because ours is 500 square feet, but okay. we just added lots for the children. Um, but we live in Hawaii. So we have a giant covered lanai that's an additional 200 okay. square feet where we spend most of our time. I have an art studio. Um, but yes, you have to definitely be creative. And it's, I think the hardest thing for me is as an academic, mm-hmm. I had, you know, like 50 boxes of books that I had to winnow down to 10. And then as an artist, I had to shrink my size for a while of the canvases mm-hmm. that I paint. Um, so you have to be creative with the use of your space. Um, and we now have another child. So it's two children, two moms, mm. a cat, and way too many wild chickens and roosters um, wow. in this, you know, tiny house where we live. Mm. And interestingly on it, John Weisbarth, who's the the host, um, we got him to talk about feminism and intersectional feminism on TV. <laughs> and I was like, hey, it's a win if we get That's to talk great. about this on TV. I He's love good. it. What like is that. intersectional feminism? Tell me. Yeah. So, um, you you know, feminism is this radical notion that women and men are equal. Right. Um, But historically, feminism has often been under the purview of white women and typically white, well-educated, more wealthy women. And so intersectionality is a way of saying, you know, feminism that liberates straight, white, highly educated women isn't real feminism. If we're not caring about our uh, trans and genderqueer kindred, if we're not caring about um, Black Lives Matter as well, if we're not caring about all of these intersectional oppressions, be that religious, um, racial, ethnic, um, et cetera, um, then it's not true liberation. And that for me is the crux of all of the work that I do as a writer, as an artist with a nonprofit is to say no liberation for some without liberation for all. Fascinating. And, and you know what I love? I'm going to go back to this quote unquote music scene, which I miss dearly since Mm. at my stage in life, I can't just go back to a tavern where nobody's wearing masks and they're doing that now. Mm. I can't go there. I, I can't put my, my health at risk. But what I loved about the music scene was they accepted me. Yeah. They accepted other people. Uh, the friend I would go with was a man is a man of color, and uh, they they never questioned who we were, where we came from, mm-hmm. what our history was. They never questioned that this short, slightly heavy redhead with the red sticks was going to go out and play drums. It was like, well, how long you been playing, and what do you know? <laughs> Nobody asked. They mm-hmm. just called my name and said, "Come up and play." They didn't care. All they knew was that I love music as much as they did. They accepted me. And the people who come up and play, I see somebody come on up and sing, come on up and and grab a guitar, come on up. The the inclusiveness, the inclusivity, Mm. Angela, was so beautiful to me. And the only, the common denominator was we wanted to play live music. Yeah. 
Nobody cared. Mm-hmm. Nobody, if they had any clue how old I was, they would have said, oh my God, I'm all early. They, they would never, they would probably have said, seriously? And I would have said, hell yes. Uh-huh. Nobody ever asked. Nobody cared. And people had nicknames and, and colors and shapes and sizes and hairdos and, and, and sayings on their shirts and funky shoes. And some music producer would show up with gold spangled shoes and a heavy <laughs> black coat in the middle of the summer and a hat pulled down over his head like this. And I heard he was in the Music Hall of Fame and he produced some records. He used to get up and sing on some of my songs. And he wow. one day shocked me. He turned around. He looked at me and he just pointed to the drums and he said drums and he meant solo I'd never done a solo in my entire six months of drumming and all of a sudden <laughs> I said crap I'm playing Mustang Sally okay I did but up but up but up but I hit all the times a couple of bing bing bings on on the ride and the crash and I and then I looked up like okay I'm done and we went back to the main part of the song but I I was shocked he was giving me a solo on the drums without saying, do you know anything? The answer was, okay, I'll play. But that's epic. That's epic. It's a perfect example of how you like, you know, the times in your life where you don't know how to do it, but you just have a fearlessness and you just do it. And then you're like, holy shit, I just did it. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yeah. Now I have a quick quote. We're almost out of time. Josh gave me the four minute, three minute warning. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Angela, let me go to you first. I don't know whether you carry a purse, a backpack, a knapsack, a shopping bag, a tote, uh, whatever you carry, what would be the three most important things if you had to leave the house in a hurry, not a, not a tragic hurry, just a hurry. What are the three things that are most important and dear to you that you would have to have in that carry vessel, whatever it is? Angela, 60 seconds. What are the top three things? It's embarrassing. Um, <laughs> my phone. Okay. <laughs> I guess my children. And um, I suppose either my face mask or my chapstick would battle for that third spot right now. I like that you would fit your children in the bag. Okay. I like that. I'm assuming they're little people. That's They are small. Okay. Well, that's the first I usually hear lipstick and I I hear chapstick before and, and I know something like that. Gregor, I don't know what you carry when you could be your your backpack could be the pockets on your pants if you wear cargo pants. What are the three things you would take? I've never asked a man this before. What would you take that's absolutely critical to you? 60 seconds, go. My phone, uh, my keys, and like a like a power bar or something. Okay. Think, like, I mean. Like, and, and it's a non-emergency, like, like it yeah. just, I mean, it, it's gotta be, it, the, the three have to be like, mostly the boring things like the phone and the keys, right? I mean, like, who's going to go like, I got to okay. get my, you know, this book and I got to get uh, a donut <laughs> and I got to get like, I got to pull a picture off the wall. Like, like what? I'm I would bring. Think- I would bring a canvas. I would bring my metallic paints with a brush attached to it. And I would bring my phone and red lipstick. I would cheat and bring four things. That oh, would be okay. if I if I really had to leave. On that note, I want to thank you so much. It's been wonderful. One minute left. Josh, thank you. We will thank Josh in a minute. Uh, Gregor Collins, it's always wonderful reconnecting with you. I'm a big fan of yours. Everything you do, going from reality show, TV producer, to actor, to caregiver for the wonderful, iconic Maria Altman, to human in my phone. I have great respect for what you do, Gregor, and I love your creativity. Angela, you're one of my new favorite people, and I'm so happy, Susan. And we had trouble reaching you because we had the wrong email address. 
for weeks we're trying. Where's Angela? Why isn't she answering? Whoops, Susan said we had the wrong email address. So I'm so happy to meet you. I hope you'll come back at some point in time. Definitely. Bring, why don't you bring a couple of the women, if you'd like, on the I show? I would love that. Women, you've done, uh, you've done uh, uh, for, uh, collages about. Uh, come on with Susan Corso. We get a Yes. Four. Okay, let's do that. So let's all say creativity rocks. I don't know. I'm just going to say Radio Red signing off. It's been wonderful. I hope our listeners have enjoyed it. I've loved speaking to both of you. Namaste. Shalom. To those of you celebrating my holiday coming up soon, Lashana Tova, Happy New Year. Mm. I will be taking off the Monday of Yom Kippur, which is the 28th of September, but I'll be here next week. So everybody wave goodbye. Gregor, Angela, stay on. We're going to chat for a couple minutes. Josh, wrap it up. Here we go. Radio Red, over and out. Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio, presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host, a.k.a. Radio Red, again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a positively cool, creative week.